You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. When I first started talking to my next guest, I used to talk about GDP and CPI and macroeconomic policy and fiscal policy and all that sort of thing. And then I would always say to him, because I knew it was like it was like poking a bear, I would say, Darvi, what about SAA? And he would then, you could almost hear him, or in, in the TV studio, see him bristling with fury, almost incandescent rage about the national carrier. And that was seven, eight, nine years ago, I think. And today, of course, with the national carrier, South African Airways, essentially in liquidation. I felt I ought to speak to Darvi Root again. Darvi Root is the founder, a director and chief economist at the JSC Listed Efficient Group. Darvi, you must look back and say to yourself, well, I've, I've been proved right, but I'm not happy about it. No, Lindsay, very nice talking to you. No, I'm certainly not, I'm not happy about this because, you know, it took so long for our politicians, for our leaders uh, to make the obvious decision and that is to Get rid of the thing once and for all. And, but it took many tens of billions of rands that we, we are in absolute, absolute need today uh, before they eventually realize that they've been doing the wrong thing for so many, many years. Just imagine if we could have had that money today, that money that we need so much literally to give to buy food for people. There are so many. I get emails every day, messages every day, Lindsay. People are in tears. They've lost their, their businesses. They've lost their jobs. They've lost everything. And we've wasted tens of billions of rands on this vanity project of the politicians called South African Airways. So uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't have words anymore. I know they're going to blame it on, on the virus. Of course, that is just nonsense. Um, it's because of the, the incompetence and the mismanagement uh, and their ideological stupidity that we are where we are today. And South African Airways is perhaps the best single example. How many tens of billions of rands do you think has been lost at current exchange rates and inflation adjusted and everything over the years? Because it has, I think, Darvi, been close to 10 years since you started moaning about this thing. I think South African Airways, and I don't know if I have to make the adjustments for current money. We're probably talking about 70, 80 billion rand if you, if you, if you include the time value of money as well. If you include the other parasitals like, mm-hmm. uh, there are so many of them, Prasa and, uh, and, uh, ESCOM is the big one or so. We are literally talking about uh, of thousands uh, of billions of rands. We're talking about really, really big money that was simply Simply wasted, and we told them so. You know, I hate it when when my mother, when I was small, and my mother tells me, or my, my parents will tell me, oh, but I told you so. I get so angry. But you know, we've got to say this to them. I, we told you so. When are you going to listen? I can't get around this. And today we are in such deep trouble, and we need the fiscus to come to the party and spend literally hundreds of billions of rands to support the South African economy. We can't do that because they they. They, they, they kept on with the stupidity of keeping organizations like South African Airways artificially alive in the last couple of day, years and so on. Yeah, I don't know. We're talking about really hundreds of billions of rands. And that is only the amount of money that, that, that we, we spend directly on these institutions. It's not the other damage that was done to other institutions, like, for example, the British Airways, British Airways, and some other airlines locally in South Africa took a huge knock because they simply could not compete against South African Airways because South African Airways was, was supported by my tax money. 
So, I mean, that, the cost to the economy is not even included in these sort of numbers. So, yeah, so we're talking about really big numbers here, Lindsay. Okay, well, it's all over now because there will be a liquidation a cost, of course, and I was just speaking to somebody from London who said it could be between 2 billion and 60 billion rand. So there's more to come, Darvi, unfortunately. Obviously, they've got airlines, obviously, they've got technical facilities, and obviously, the people on the ground at SAA and the people that serve you, uh, your, your gin and tonic or your, your castle, are fine people, but behind the scenes, I don't know. I was talking to that same chap and he said that it is so riddled with corruption that even international gangs have infiltrated South African airways and that compromises the, uh, the, the maintenance of the aircraft and therefore everyone's safety. So this thing at last is going to the wall. I mean, and, and hopefully it'll, it'll re-emerge with a new partner or something. I don't know. What do you think? Well, well, well I, if it re-emerges, I just hope that the politicians won't have fingers in that whatever thing is that's going to reemerge. No, please keep the politicians away. Let's be honest about one or two things. The most important thing is that the ANC and the ANC coalition government is the most destructive force the South African economy has ever seen. Uh, South African Airways is just only one example. If you look at the fiscal accounts, it has been run into the ground. The fiscal accounts has been completely unsustainable before the virus, before Corona, B.C., we were in very, very deep trouble already. And now they're going to blame the, the virus for everything. Uh, yeah, Lindsay, I must tell you, I, I'm battling to think of anything that this government did that worked out well. Uh, there are very few things. I mean, in fact, I can't think of something straight away. But most things in which they have been involved in has been a disaster financially and operationally. Uh, South African Airways is only just but one example. Do you have any signs of encouragement after what has happened in the last couple of weeks, yes. last couple of months? In other words, 200, yes. 250 basis points interest rate uh, cuts. The firm stance that Sir Ramaphosa has taken when it comes to the lockdown to try and combat uh, COVID-19. Tito Mbaweni's speech yesterday, which said we're not going to go with our begging bowl to the IMF. There must be some pockets of hope for you. Yeah, there are a couple of silver linings. I think you touched on a few of those. Um, the South African Reserve Bank cut interest rates quite a lot, uh, and they are doing all sorts of things like changing certain liquidity ratios and capital ratios for the banks, and they're also getting into the financial markets, especially in the bond market. Now, we can argue whether that's right or wrong, but the important point is here is that the Reserve Bank can do these sort of things exactly because of the way that monetary policy was managed in the past. Like it was managed in a relatively conservative manner, and that means there's space for the Reserve Bank to make certain uh, amendments and changes to the way that they're managing monetary policy because of the way they managed it in the past. And we spoke about this. And I always defended the Reserve Bank. People uh, wanted to crucify Lissette Yahoo because he did not cut interest rates as much as people wanted to. Uh, but now we've got the benefits of that because you can't, you can't cut interest rates when interest rates are low already. And fortunately, we went into this crisis with relatively high interest rates and some other things that you can do. So that, without a doubt, is a silver lining. The Reserve Bank, fortunately, was not taken over by, by a certain cabal yet, uh, although they tried. Uh, and because of that and because of the, the way that central bank was managed in previous years, we've got the, we have the scope or the monetary policy space to make certain adjustments. So that's certainly without a doubt is a silver lining. Another silver lining, although it's coming at a very dear price, uh, is the fact that we have this crisis now. And this crisis, and I promise you, if it hasn't been for this crisis or the crisis on top of another crisis, a South African Airways would have been saved again. 
Unfortunately, we completely run out of money now. There simply isn't money anywhere, anywhere to be wasted the way that they've been wasting money the last couple of decades. So that means that it's, they, 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 no more choice but to cut back on stupid expense items like, for example, keeping uh, uh, institutions like South African Airways alive. So I think that is in a way a silver lining. A silver lining. And let me make a prediction here. Yes. So one of the one of the things, something that we need that needs to happen now. We need to cut back on the wage bill, the civil servants' wage bill. Now, the, the Kusati has been kicking and screaming, and, and it's going to be extremely difficult to cut back on the civil servants' wage bill. But we have to do that because that is where the big money is going to. Now, I want to make a prediction. We are going to cut back on the civil servants' wage bill, not because we want to, not because we're going to try to do this, not because we're going to negotiate, simply because we've run out of money. So it is going to, and, and that in a way, it's a silver lining because the necessary adjustments are being made because we are forced into making these kind of adjustments. South African Airways is, again, a very good example um, uh, uh, of that. But why do we have to wait until everything has been destroyed before we take the right steps? That's the question. And then you make a comment about uh, international, the IMF, whether we're going to borrow money from the IMF or no. And I see everybody's talking about that. And there's just something fundamental that we need to understand. If you go to the IMF or to the World Bank or any one of these institutions, you borrow mostly dollars from those institutions. So if you go to the IMF and you borrow $10 billion from the IMF, you have to have a plan on what you want to do with $10 billion. What do you want to either import with $10 billion or what loans, existing loans, do you have to want to pay off with this $10 billion? And the reason why... I say this is because we don't use dollars in South Africa. We use rands in South Africa. And you don't need dollars to create rands. You can very easily create rands. In simple terms, the Reserve Bank's got a machine that they can simply switch on and print more rands. You don't need dollars to print more rands. That's the point I want to make. And we, the Reserve Bank, and again, uh, thanks to Lisette Kanyaka for running a tight ship, the Reserve Bank has well in excess of $50 billion worth of reserves. Uh, if we want to import something, uh, then we can simply use the existing uh, reserves at the Reserve Bank. And if we want to import uh, some medical equipment, for example, I understand if we want to borrow some dollars, $100 million perhaps to import ventilators or whatever the case may be. I understand that because you can use the money to import something. But to go and borrow huge amounts of money at the IMF as some sort of stimulus package, it simply doesn't make sense because what, what are you going to import? What are you going to buy with these dollars? We use rands in South Africa, not, not dollars. Davi, normally when I phone you up, we have a little chat beforehand and how's the family and everything else and how's your health and so forth. And I ask you something like, Davi, how are you? And you'll normally say, Mania Willemse, I'm so good. I'm so optimistic. I phoned you just before this interview and said, Davi, how's it going? And I can't really repeat what you said because there's <laughs> been a marked change in probably six months and does that reflect your view of the future, or is it just you're, be, you're being grumpy today? No, no, I'm not being grumpy, Lizzie. I must tell you, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm saddened by, I feel, I mean, people calling me and people telling me, me their stories, and people are, they're losing their jobs, they're losing their income, they're losing their businesses. It is horrible what is going on, and I've, mm. I've done some calculations, and I think the economy, my last, and I keep on adjusting these numbers, because it's a moving target, but I expect the economy to contract by about 8% this year. Uh, the average income in South Africa will fall by at least 10%. Uh, 
The fiscal deficit is going to balloon to 12%. The state revenue will be 200 billion, maybe 300 billion below the budgeted estimates. We have been in a recession basically for the past five years in terms of per capita income in South Africa. Uh, the, the unemployment uh, uh, numbers, we, we're going to, there will be another more than a million people being unemployed, maybe even more. We're going to lose many thousands of businesses. It's going to take us, Lindsay, it's going to take us, 10 years won't be long enough to fix to fix the damage that has been done to the South African economy. And now we've got the lockdown, and I'm not so sure the lockdown is the right thing to do. I, I think, uh, remember, poverty also kills. Uh, it's the biggest killer in the world, poverty. Yes. Um, it kills It kills more than all the other Nazis put together. And I've made, and this is, I mean, how can you put this on, on paper and how can you make these sort of calculations? But I, And I can send you my research if you want to. But I've calculated that this, this increase in poverty is probably going to kill around about 300,000 people. I'm not only meaning directly by way of people dying from hunger. That's not what I mean. But also the other things, the roads not being fixed, and inferior health services generally, or bad quality education. Suicide is another one that you haven't mentioned there. All of that, all of that. Crime, crime, all of that. So we, we're probably going to kill 300,000 people over the next 10 years because of an increase in poverty. So how many people are going to die from this from this virus? I don't think 300,000 people are going to die from the virus. So uh, uh, we're going to kill 300,000 people because of poverty, uh, based on some, a lot of assumptions that I've made, plus however number of people are going to die from the virus. I think we need to approach this differently. I think we need to open up this economy. I think we need to look after the vulnerable, the, the poor, uh, and, and the elderly or people with underlying conditions, isolate them. Uh, and of course, you know, put certain rules in place like social distancing and all that. But we must open this economy. The damage to this economy is going to kill hundreds of thousands of people in any of it. Davi, um, you sound a mixture of um, your your speech over the last 10 minutes has been a mixture of anger and sadness. You sound really sad, actually. I've never heard you like this before. Yeah, uh, Lindsay, I've kind of given up. Uh, I've given up hope, but... Um, uh, but why do they keep on doing all these stupid things, these silly things like South African Airways? I mean, but, but I don't even want to talk to them anymore. Because I mean, I, I, there was a time I can remember when economists and uh, people from Treasury, and we still talk to the South African Reserve Bank. Uh, that is, I must tell you, the Reserve Bank has been doing an excellent job. They're so transparent and accessible and all that. So that, But, but for the rest of them... Uh, 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 can't they listen? Can't they see the obvious things that is going that are going wrong? And now we've got we've got so much infighting within the ANC. I don't know who's in charge of the ANC. Last week, uh, Asia Magashili and the Communist Party and Kusatu they sent out this again policy statement letter nonsense that contradicts a lot of things that that the president is saying. So obviously, there's so much infighting within the ANC. I don't even know who's in charge. In the ANC, you can't run a country like this. You can't take leadership in a country like this. In the meantime, there are real people, real, real people losing their jobs, and real people sitting in shacks getting hungry. That is much more important than overpaying how many tens of thousands of people currently being paid by ESCOM, as an example, or working in the civil service. We've got the Minister of Sport. What on earth is the job of a Minister of Sport? There are no sports taking place now. What does it do anyway? 
I mean, close it down. Close down this wastage of money and so many other things that we can do. The, the president are making a big, a big boo-ah about him and the other cabinet ministers cutting a third of their salaries for the next three months. We must get rid of half of those cabinet members. That's what we must do. There's nothing um, heroic of cutting off a third of your salary. You're being overpaid in any event. Get rid of half of the cabinet members. You work for us. We pay your salaries. And you overburden us. That's, I mean, that's, yeah. what can I say? <laughs> I think you've said it. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think my, my, my mother always say, at least we, have, we still have one another. <laughs> yeah, well, according to what you said, there'll be 300,000 uh, less of one another's uh, in, in the future, and who knows how many in the very short term as well. But, Davi, thank you very much for your insight. I mean, as always, very analytical economically, but also uh, delivered with an awful lot of passion, a concerned South African. That's Davi Roche, the founder, current director, and also chief economist at the JSE-listed Efficient Group. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organization, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.